be here with you all this morning. One of the things we do is we gather to praise. So we're going to start our service with three songs uh, back to back. And you've just heard the um, first one, it's God of Our Yesterdays. And I want to, to sing these three songs together this morning to, to praise God, to acknowledge his power, his presence here today and his sovereignty to acknowledge and worship God for his faithfulness, his continuing support of us. And I also want to sing them as a promise to him, to search for him, to make him the only true object of our affections and our desires. So, it's God of our yesterdays, then faithful God, then I will seek your face, O Lord. here with us this morning. Thank you that we have an opportunity to meet together and praise you without fear. Lord, this last couple of weeks I've been hearing about Christians in Pakistan, in Turkey and in Iran who have to meet in secret, but they still spread, spread your good word, spread the gospel to the people that they meet. Lord, we don't have any of that fear and I pray that that like our fellow Christians in Pakistan and Turkey and Iran and probably many other places, Lord, that we will be inspired by them and their boldness to preach, that they continue to share your word through the face of persecution, imprisonment, even torture at times. When we have nothing to fear, Lord, except maybe ourselves, I pray that you will embolden us today, you will revitalise us this morning, that you will, you will help us to go out into the week ahead and proclaim you, Lord God, and you, Lord Jesus. Bless our service this morning, I pray, that it will be something that pleases you, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The care news for this week, which I've been passed. Thank you for these, Joe. Pete Griffiths is now back at home. He did see his consultant at Christie's on Friday. We need to continue to pray for Pete and all the family. Mary had a further session of chemotherapy this Friday, just gone, and we continue to pray for her and Jack. It's good to have Neil safely back from Kenya, and we pray for a blessing on the work being done by Meal a Day over there. Gladys spent Thursday night in hospital, suffering from severe asthma. She's home again and continues to struggle. It's nice to see you this morning, Gladys. We pray for John Bernani and the brothers and sisters in the Congo. We think also of Marion and Pauline, Norman and Margaret, Alan McGaw, and others we do not often see. Um, if you remember last week, we also prayed for Miranda Peel, um, who used to be a student in Manchester. She's now out of hospital and doing okay. They think she's got a reactive arthritis virus, which is going to take about nine months to clear up. Um, so she knows she has to be patient, but she's feeling very positive and thankful for all our prayers. Thanks, Steve. As we've heard from our often long, long amount of announcements and care news, one of the things I think we do is that we gather to serve each other. This morning, I'm going to invite you to take part with me 
in an act of service. We call this a church service, but um, I'd like to make this, this pastoral prayer time into an act of service. And as, as we pause to reflect on different people, I'd like us to do something. And that is, if you have a mobile phone, please can you take it out and turn it on. And if you know John, please put this number into the recipient field. And I'd like us all, if you don't know John, that's fine. If you want to send a message to somebody else that you know and love and care for, that needs your prayers, to let them know that you're praying for them this morning, that's fine. If, if you don't feel comfortable, don't want to text somebody, then that's also fine. But just, just sit quietly and pray through this. But just send a little message to John, maybe a Bible verse, maybe a little prayer, maybe a couple of words of encouragement. Because we know that he gets really lonely and he know he really feels a separation from his family here at Old Trafford uh, while he's in the Congo. So I thought it would be a really nice thing for him to receive uh, a big bundle of messages all together this morning. So we're just going give, to give you a few minutes and then I'll stand up and, and say a short prayer. Lord, there are many people in our hearts that we want to lift to you. We've heard about some of them this morning and I'm sure that the list is, is endless, Lord. We all need your presence, your care, your love. We need your hand on our lives to guide us, to, to hold us close to you because we're so, so good at straying away. Lord, I pray that the people that we've sent the message this morning will also feel your presence, feel your comfort. Lord, we lift them all up to you now, in Jesus' name. Amen. We also gather this morning to hear God's word. So I invite you to turn to the book of John, chapter 11, and Becky Sutton is going to read that for us. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, A short while ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you're going back there? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going to go there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. 
but let us go to him. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, put their faith in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is this man performing many miraculous signs. 
If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and then the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. Then one of them, named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation, and not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God, to bring them together and make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. Therefore Jesus no longer moved about publicly among the Jews. Instead, he withdrew to a region near the desert, to a village called Ephraim, where he stayed with his disciples. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, many went up from the country to Jerusalem for the ceremonial cleansing before the Passover. They kept looking for Jesus, and as they stood in the temple area, they asked one another, What do you think? Isn't he coming to the feast at all? But the chief priests and Pharisees had given orders that if anyone found out where Jesus was, he should report it so that they might arrest him. Thank you, Becky. David hopefully has some words of encouragement for us to equip us this week. David. I thought about some of my favourite things. Because I'm speaking this morning, they're going to be my favourite things. And they will be from favourites, not necessarily the favourites, but some things that have influenced and made me think over the years. A verse of scripture, right back to the very beginning, Genesis chapter 6. Verse 9. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. I remember reading that verse when I was 15 or 16 years old, and how it struck me. What a wonderful relationship with God to walk with him. We know that Noah was patient in building the ark for years and years without what seemed to be any reason to those that could have seen what he was doing. And they would, they scoffed at him, they just couldn't see the purpose of the ark and it would be seen 450 feet long 75 feet wide 45 feet high with lower, middle and upper decks and just when we when I think about that ark that's a lot of wood and that just wasn't building it he couldn't go to B&Q and buy timber he had to go out and select the trees and cut them and drag them to the building site 
There was the preparation, the debarking, from debarking to finished planks. And that was before the flood. So we haven't a full knowledge of history as as it was then. He may have only had stone tools, perhaps even bronze. And from what I know about that time, then metal was very rare and precious. And that even bronze was never really far from pure copper. And that's not a metal that keeps its edge. So if you're cutting... And building, cutting down trees, making planks, making an ark fit to the Lord's commandments, then that is a huge amount of work. And all the time, Noah walked with God. Now, walking is another one of my favourite things. And it's not so difficult that when we're out on a walk in the sunshine, preferably not too hot, I like those cold, clear winter days after a hard frost. That would be a a favourite time for walking. When we're out on the hills... Miles away from the hustle and the bustle of the city life. A time when we can reflect on God's glory. His creation. We can appreciate and give thanks for the wonders of the creation. On those days, it's easy to walk with God. To be in constant communication Continuing prayer. Always praying. And that's not difficult in those circumstances. Up on the mountain. Deep in the forest. But what about those times when we're in the city. Trying to find somewhere. Not being where we want to be. In places that we shouldn't be. How do we walk with God under those circumstances? When we're walking in the wrong direction. When we're walking away from God. In the chapter that we've just read. Jesus tells us. Verse 9, are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he who sees by, by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. And the older authorised version gives that as 
he has no light in him. And when we think of ourselves, a human body produces about a hundred watts of energy. And that can be quite a bright light bulb, but that amount of energy is coming from one tiny filament. That amount of heat produced by us doesn't produce any light at all. Of ourselves, we do not produce light. The heat that we produce is totally insufficient for us to light. John 12, verse 35. Then Jesus told them, You're going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in the dark does not know where he, he is going. Put your trust in the light while you have it, so that you may become sons of light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. There is no light within us. Jesus is the only source of light. We have the sun by day, but for ourselves, for our spiritual light, it is the light of Jesus. It's a little difficult concept, but um, everything that we see is only ever a reflection. Now, I'm sure there may be physicists amongst us that uh, could explain this better, better than I. But light falls on a subject. That's, the light is absorbed by that, that, and that level of absorption, the light is then reflected back. So that when we take a photograph, all that we ever take is the light that's reflected off that subject. When we look at something, what we see is the light reflected off the subject. So if the light of Jesus is to fall on us, how is it reflected? Is it reflected truly? Is it reflected brightly? Does it go into a kind of a black hole and just disappears into there? 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 18. And we, 
who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. It's taking on that light, that Spirit from God and reflecting that out into the world that we can show the glory of God. That we can reflect Jesus. That we can show the world that there is light and that light is the light of Jesus. If we take a walk, if we have anywhere to find, well, now there's the satnav. Some malign it. It's always worked for me. It's only ever led uh, led me astray once round. Um, Round a town square in in Slovakia, that uh, with, the, uh, with with the tower, which it looked at and, and thought it was a roundabout, <laughs> but um, that's the only time it's it's ever let me down. But before that, we had maps, we had the way laid out before us. If we wanted to walk anywhere, then I'd look at the map. And I'd see what the terrain was like, see what the inclines and how steep it would be, how long it would be, what we would pass along the way, what features were there. Well, David gave Solomon a road map when, for life, when he spoke to him, Second First Chronicles chapter twenty-eight, verse nine. And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father, and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind, for the Lord searches every heart and understands every motive behind the thoughts if you seek him he will be found by you if we seek if we serve God with wholehearted devotion he will be found our walking companion is there ready for us and when we do go on a walk, it is so much better, so much, if we have a companion, if we have someone to walk with, often someone that knows the way better than we do, that can act as a guide, that can highlight the features, that can show us which way to go, where to tread, where the pitfalls 
Ah, Psalm 16. Verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Having the Lord at our right hand, having him always there, walking with God, If we're to go on the right path, if we're to have the light shining that we can see, <coughs> then we need the Lord at our right hand. The second epistle of John. Verse 5. And now, dear lady, I am not writing to you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. <coughs> As you have heard from the beginning, this command is that you walk in love. His command that we walk in love. Have you ever watched lovers walking? At least holding hands, but two, being one, where every step and movement is in harmony. But we should not only be in harmony with God, we should be in harmony with all around us, the people, the environment, the whole world. Now that's a huge concept of being in harmony with the whole world. But at least we should be in harmony with our own world. Loving all that, that we come into contact with. Showing how we love God and Jesus and how we love those around us. Our family. Those that we meet every day. Those that have some calling upon us. Those that can call on us from a very long way away. We've just done that. We've just called someone in Africa. We have just made ourselves known to him, renown to him. Someone that we may have not have had contact for many months. But we've done that this morning. The hungry, the thirsty, the strangers, those in need of clothes, 
the sick and those in prison those were the people that Jesus said if you've done this for the least of these my brethren then you have done it for me we'll come across someone in need every day how do we see how do we know these people they are all around us they may be sitting next to us right now but if we are not looking at them with the light of Jesus with the light of the Lord then will we see them we must let that line that shines from Jesus reflect from us and then perhaps we will see them. I have a favourite, a favourite poem. And I heard this many years ago. It was written in the 19th century. It's in the Victorian era. And it has that some Victorian sentimentality about it. But it does express a contentment. A contentment with life. And it's written in effectively the language that was spoken in these parts at that time so for those of you that's not from round here I may have to give translations later it was written by a guy called Edwin Waugh around the time of the American Civil War again that was a time of great deprivation in these parts. A time of famine and struggle for the people that lived here in Manchester, in Ashton and Staler Bridge, where I live and work. But this shows just how we can be happy with what we've got. It's toddling one. Toddling one from market rant. Toddling one content and can't. With me head in me hat and me feet in me shoon. I'm fain to be toddling one. Toddling one for fireside bliss. Toddling one for childer's kiss. God bless yon bitter curling smook. God bless yon cosy chimbley nook. I'm fain to be toddling one. Toddling warm from twittering songs. Toddling warm from prattling tongues. Toddling warm to sink and rest. With wife and little Bridget nest. I'm fain to be toddling warm. Now that gives me a picture of contentment. Somebody on his way home. Thinking of the blessings of that home. 
of the warmth of the fire, of his children's kisses, of a little peace and solitude. And we too must be content with what we have. Philippians chapter 4. Verse 11. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secrets of being content. And any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. If we learn to be content, because contentment isn't something that comes naturally to us, it must be learned. We are always wanting more. More money, houses, bigger, faster cars, longer holidays, further away, more, bigger, richer. We are never satisfied. There's always something else that we want. And then when we've got what we want, we want another. Contentment is something that has to be learned. Paul knew what it was to be in need and to have plenty. He learns the secret, for it is a secret. Although it's something to be learned, it's not a subject that I would like to teach. Can we teach content contentment? It's from him who gives us strength that we must learn contentment. 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy 6, verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Be content with food and clothing. If we have nothing more, we have enough. I've been told of Wendy's father, and when her mother complained about his um, lack of sartorial elegance, shall we say, he was a very plain man and his view was, I've only got one back, I can only wear one thing at a time. He could only wear one set of clothes. And that's all he ever needed. He wasn't in constant need of new fashion. He was satisfied with what he had. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. 
Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. We mustn't love money. It's when money becomes the be-all and end-all of life we are lost. Be content with what you have. God will never leave us. God will never forsake us. He will always provide for us with enough to keep us in contentment. The last song on the board there is, again, one of my favourites. And in the theme that produced this, just a closer walk with thee. We have to walk with God. We have to walk in his light. We have to walk with contentment. To have a life with God illuminated by his light. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 5. You are all sons of the light. And sons of the day, we do not belong to the night or to the darkness. If we have God's love, God's light, the light of the Lord Jesus reflecting from us, even though we are in darkness, that light will shine from us. Walking, living in the light. Verse 16 of that First Thessalonians 5. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ. If our walk through life is to be joyful in continuous prayer, giving thanks for everything, walking with God at our right hand, walking with our Heavenly Father, with the Lord Jesus, as the light that shines. Our roots will be picked out for us. We will see all that there is to see along that journey. Those in need. Those that need our help. Our company. Words of comfort. And we can walk in love, in peace and contentment. Thank you, David. There's a lot to think about. I found it very, very encouraging to think about walking with Jesus in our lives and also reflecting Jesus. And I guess reflection is a kind of remembering is what we're here this morning to do. We're gathered to remember. We're gathered to remember the gift 
that God has given, the grace that he showed us in sending Jesus to achieve what we couldn't achieve, to live a life victorious over temptation and sin, to provide us with a way that we can be reconciled and restored to God. We're going to sing Jesus Christ, I think upon your sacrifice. And the chorus of this song goes, Once again I look upon the cross where you died. I'm humbled by your mercy and I'm broken inside. Once again I thank you. Once again I pour out my life. So in remembering together, my prayer is that we take our place not just at the foot of Jesus' cross, but also in continuing his work, the work of our resurrected Lord, by pouring out our lives for him. Let's sing together. Father, I pray that wherever we are in life's journey, whether like Noah we are frightened for the future or like Jesus grieving the loss of a loved one or perhaps fearing for our own suffering I pray that as we share this bread of life together you'll reassure us with the promise that we will never go hungry again. Lord, give us the courage to persist until we see your kingdom in all its glory. Amen. Lord, as we come now to take the wine, we are reminded of the sacrifice that you gave in the giving of your son that the Lord Jesus Christ gave in the giving of his life that we might know you so Lord now our prayer is that through our knowledge and our experience of you we will become more like Jesus that we, we may follow his example through our fellowship with you, our fellowship with each other will be strengthened. That we may love each other as the Lord Jesus Christ has loved us. That Lord, we might also now love our neighbour. Lord, we thank you for this demonstration of love that you have shown us. And we pray, Lord, that we will gain power from this love you have shown us. That through this time together, with our fellowship with you and the Lord Jesus Christ, we may do the things that you have planned for us. Amen. I just want to read to you from a song that we're not going to sing together this morning. I'd like to use 
as a kind of recommittal of our lives. Into your hands I commit again. All I am for you, Lord. You hold my world in the palm of your hand and I am yours forever. I will walk with you wherever you go. Through tears and joy, I'll trust in you. And I will live in all of your ways and your promises forever. Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I belong to you. You are the reason that I live, the reason that I sing. So we gather to encourage each other and I pray that these last two songs will be encouraging us to walk this week with Jesus. The first one's just a closer walk with thee. Granted, Jesus, that my plea daily walking close to thee. Let it be, dear Lord. Let it be. And I pray that that will encourage us not just to play the waiting for the kingdom to come game because the second verse of the second song we're going to sing is this these are the days of the harvest the fields are white in the world and we are the labourers in your vineyard declaring the word of the Lord this week I pray that we'll make it our mission to display Christ in our lives to show people by the way we live by the way we love by the way we look after each other and our neighbours show the world foretastes of the kingdom that is to come Our Father who art in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory for ever and ever. Yes, Lord, yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory for ever and ever. And Lord, that means now too. Lord, your will be done on earth, not just in the future, but now too. God, I pray that you will, you will show up today and in the week ahead and do things in our lives that only you can be given the credit for. I pray that this week you will act obviously and supernaturally to bring moments where we can see in small ways heaven crashing into earth and your amazing hand at work Lord we open ourselves up to you so that you can work in us so that you can speak through us and so that you can bring your redemptive healing into this world Lord bless us this week Give us strength and boldness to serve you and glorify you and our Lord Jesus in everything that we do. It's in his name that we ask this prayer together.
Amen.